What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Hey everyone, this is your host, Dr. Hannah, and on today's episode, I talked with Dr. Peter Yu, a PT and the owner of Motion RX in Jacksonville, and we talked all things health. We both run podcasts centered around health, but We try to define health. What even is health? What does it mean to be healthy? And I think it means something different for everyone. I don't think health just means to be free of illness or injury, like the internet says. I don't think that covers it. I think health encompasses a lot of different things. Physical, mental, emotional, cognitive, to name a few. At a basic level, you could say the four or five pillars are exercise or daily movement, nutrition, sleep, stress management, And I'm also going to throw in values because a person's values will determine what they consider important, what they consider healthy versus unhealthy, what their goals are, and how they want to live their life. So I'm sure you all know people that are so healthy in one aspect that it causes them to lose the other aspects too. So it's complicated. They're almost doing healthy things in an unhealthy manner. On the topic of health, we obviously talked about how to live till 100, so stay tuned for that one. And we also spent a good amount of time digging into runners and running readiness, tests and ways to make sure you are quote unquote ready for the demands of running. Some of the demands are running. So that was pretty cool to talk about. We talked about whoops. We talked about some of Peter's favorite things, some meal prep workouts. So everyone, thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Oh, what I was going to ask, like, where do you feel like you got a lot of your beliefs, your biases, like your treatment philosophy? Obviously it's changed, like it, it molds throughout the years, but like that initial push, um, maybe in like in PT school or the beginning of when you started to be a PT. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely have to say Eve's, Eve's, Eve's played a big, uh, big, big impact on kind of how I, you know, kind of treat today. He was the one who introduced me to clinical athlete. And when he did, man, I ended up, I remember I would be sitting in class and I would just like be on the clinical athlete forum, like reading through a bunch of articles and stuff. I'm like, man, who's this Quinn Hennick guy? Like, oh man, it's just like, yeah, him, uh, who else? So I don't know if you remember like back in there, 
OG like podcast days. It was like him, Derek Miles, uh-huh. um, from Barbell Med. Yeah. And then I think uh, Michael Ray. Yep. And it was, I just remember like, I would just spend like hours like listening to their podcast because they would be like busting all these myths on stuff on different things um, that I, I believed in. I was like, what the hell? And it was just like really, 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 really mind blowing on how, you know, they presented the information and how um, they just, you know, a lot of their treatment philosophies ended up like making a lot more sense than kind of like the stuff that we learned in school. Right. And I mean, just like growing up and like being around sports and whatnot, I was, I mean, very, very much biased towards, you know, strength and conditioning much more so than kind of a lot of the manual therapy stuff. And so once I got kind of got introduced to that, then it kind of just like, all right, like this made complete sense. But yeah. Just like dive in for sure. Mm-hmm. So- yeah. So I would say cl- clinical athlete, uh, definitely played, played a big part. And then, um, on my last, I think one of my last rotation, um, up at rehab to perform, um, in Frederick, Maryland, which is awesome which was an awesome rotation, but I got involved with a level up initiative mm-hmm. and then I went through their uh, cohort and that kind of um, helped me a lot with kind of the, you know, your soft skills and stuff. So it's funny cause I hear a lot of people talking about clinical athlete and barbell medicine yeah. um, and Eve also like big people in this PT industry. But I also think it's important for you to know that like you paved the way for me to want to be at made to move. And then also for me to know about level up. And so like, it's cool. Like you get to view yourself like as a part of that pyramid, because I remember you posting about stuff and I was like, this seems cool. Like Peter's a cool guy. We believe the same things. I'm going to join this too. And then like, it just continues down, right? Like the Mm -hmm. domino effect of how many like PT students now know about cash base, know about level up, like they know about these things when we like you were probably one of the only people in your class to be like looking at clinical athlete in the middle of class. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. I, I don't know. I'm like a geek and nerd and stuff that with like stuff like this, but um, yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that like social media is like, it's, it's such an amazing tool these days for kind of connecting people with like, you know, similar philosophies and mindset kind of similar to us. Right. Like, it's, I think like someone, someone, uh, there's a girl, um, on, on rotations here who ended up reaching out to us and like wanted to come and shadow while she was on rotation here because she found us through clinical athlete mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah. And it's just with like the content that they're putting out, that the content that, that like level up initiative is putting out, hopefully we'll start slowly start to see, you know, more and more, um, you know, similar like-minded clinicians slowly start to push, uh, towards this uh, model of healthcare instead. Oh yeah. And so you don't even have PT in your name, do you? You're no, I purposely, I purposely um, did not have physical therapy in um, the practice name, right? So it's motion arts, health, and performance. But uh, I purposely chose that just because I feel like physical therapy has such like a negative connotation, right? Physical therapy is like a field, but if you kind of think about it, right? What are we doing? We're not improving their physical therapy. I mean, we're doing physical therapy, but ultimately we're improving their overall health. That's what's important. Right. So I ended up going with um, health and performance just because I thought it was a much more um, accurate representation of kind of what we do instead. So do you ever have people that they call you and they don't realize that like you're a PT or, or do they always know that like what you do is physical therapy? 
No, I, uh, I think, I mean, so on our Google listing, just for like SEO purposes, I have it listed as a physical therapy, but um, on the LLC and everything, it's health and performance. But no, I think for the most part, um, I don't know, we're still, I still haven't really dived too deep into kind of like uh, Facebook ads or like Google ads and stuff like that. So a lot of our um, like referrals and people that come find us are all, you know, local word of mouth. Um, and, you know, they, they all know us as, you know, physical therapists and whatnot. But we're, we're, we're the cool PTs in town. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not the traditional. I'm a, I'm a cool PT. What yep. will be cool is like eventually people, I think, will come to places like MotionRx and Made to Move because they're like, oh, health and performance. Yep. Not because they're looking for PT. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of it, you know, it goes beyond um, kind of physical therapy, right? A lot of times, like after the first two, you know, one or two sessions where, you know, they're pretty much out of pain from there, it's just pretty much building up like a ton of strength, a ton of stability, looking at their movements, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that, where it pretty much looks like a performance training session, right? A strength and conditioning session. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have people like pretty often and they're, they're like, especially new students, um, people that shadow us like from MUSC all the time, they're like, what's the difference between this and personal training? And I'm like, exactly. Like, exactly. You, you don't want it to be like a black and white difference. It should be kind of like a gray, gray scale where it's like, you know, the goals, I forgot who said this, it might've been, I don't know, some, someone on Instagram, but we were, they were saying something, I think it was like um, physical therapy and like uh, strength and conditioning is basically has the same goals, right? to get, get stronger, but it's basically on different ends of the continuum, right? Where with um, physical therapy and rehab, you're, again, you want to get stronger, but you also have that aspect of pain involved. So it's a little bit, a little bit more complex, a little bit trickier to deal with, but ultimately the goal's the same, right? Become, become stronger, become more resilient. Yeah. Yeah. If it looks too different, then, then we're like, we're doing hot packs. We're doing, ice. yeah. Then, then, you know, something's wrong. Exactly. So there was another, um, Someone else came in the other day and they like the music was kind of pumping and they were like, sorry, like I'm here to see the, like a doctor. Like, is this the doctor's office? Is this the PT clinic? And yep. we were like, yep, it is. And someone was like lifting over there. It was, it was kind of cool. It was like, that's like what we wanted. That was the goal. Exactly. Man, if that could be the gold standard for, you know, what people's perception of physical therapy is in the future, like that would be amazing. Like when people call it the gym instead of the clinic, mm -hmm. you're, at first you're kind of like, like there's a little bit of that like imposter syndrome of like, oh no, like I'm a doctor, like this is a clinic. But then you're like, no, like the, you know, the future of healthcare is a gym and all that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I've had like multiple, multiple um, patients now kind of say to me, especially after like first or second visit or you know, towards the end where there's like, wow, I'm sweating. Wow. This is hard. Like I've never sweated before in physical therapy. And then, and I've gone to multiple <laughs> different physical therapy. I'm like, well, it's probably why you still have this issue. Right. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like we should just normalize like working hard in physical therapy, right? Like physical therapy should, should be difficult. It should kind of basically look like a training session where you're trying to get stronger at basically whatever your current capacity is and yeah. then slowly improving that. Yeah. When you're trying to do that, it should, you should sweat. <laughs> Yeah, like improving capacity is hard. And like the word rehab in general, if you think about like rehab for drug addiction, rehab for alcohol addiction, it's really hard, 
right? Like there's a you go to rehab and like, yeah, maybe it's like a beautiful place in California that you see all the celebrities going to, but like, it's not easy to rehab from those things. Even like inpatient rehab, like it's intense or at least it should oh, yeah. be. Like Dr. Kraft talked about that all the time. Of like, if you go to inpatient rehab, like you have to be able to tolerate a lot of physical activity because it's intense. But mm -hmm. then physical therapy, outpatient rehab is like, oh, they did a lot of cupping. They did a lot of manual. They did a lot of dry needling. And like, they think that stuff is so cool. And I'm like, but you didn't do a thing. Like it wasn't hard. Nope. You didn't have to overcome anything like your system, your tissues, your nervous system, nothing had to overcome anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I mean, like, like there's definitely value in down regulation, right. And like balance yeah. and recovery. Um, but I would argue that more people need more intentional stress rather than. Yeah. Intentional loading. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, we have like a lot, a lot of really good massage therapists here and whatnot. So, um, if again, if like the client wants to come in and, you know, they're like, hey, like manual therapy or like I respond really well to cuppings, um, soft tissue work. I'm like, hey, that's awesome that uh, you respond really well to it. Um, here is like uh, the information of a really good massage therapist. Go, go to them for a full hour. Um, and, you know, I kind of explain to them, hey, what is like the what the effects of manual therapy are you know it can be good for kind of short-term changes but hey if you're like looking to get back into like doing crossfit or like running like you need to increase the capacity of your tissue so a lot of the stuff that's going to make like long-term changes is going to be through you know loading and exercise and stuff and kind of again once, once you kind of explain it to them like that they're like oh, okay yeah no that that makes complete sense and you know like um both both of us are very lucky to have like the full one hour with them right which is a lot more than what a lot of other PT places already have. But again, right, like one hour really isn't a lot of time if you kind of think about it in the grand scheme of things. And so um, I'd rather spend that one hour with them, like on intentional stuff that's going to really make long-term changes. So a lot of it is like education on, hey, like loading management, load management, what their current uh, training program kind of looks like, and then the rest of the time is spent on mostly on exercise. Yeah, like that hour, you're like, oh, we have an hour, but like, I mean, we have 75 minutes for evals, but I often run over, like if I don't have anyone after it's mm -hmm. definitely 90 minutes or longer than that. I'm like, there's just, it, there's so much. And I feel like it's a disservice sometimes to like meet someone, get their story, you know, do an eval and then yep. tell them everything that's going on with them. And I'm like, I just met you. Like, I don't know your whole experience as a human. Like mm -hmm. I just know the things that you told me and the things that I saw today. And so I feel like the eval process, like often just kind of bleeds into the follow-up, you know, um, mm -hmm, for sure. I totally agree though. Like I, I think there's this people are, are trying to divide like manual therapists and physical therapists and like massage therapists. And like, I'm not against you unless you're like, you know, continuing false narratives. Like, that then I'm like, okay, well, like, let's at least talk about like what's actually going on here. Like, let's talk about the truth. But like, I think the power of massage and manual therapy is obviously very clear. It's just different. It's doing something different than what we thought. Like it's not directly increasing the capacity of your tissues. And like you said, yeah. when you explain that to people, it makes sense. Like they're not normally trying to get the easy way out. They come to you because they want an improvement. Mm -hmm. They have just sometimes been told that improvement will come from me moving your shoulder around for an hour. 
And like, I am not, and I've never have been passionate about manual therapy. Like I'm not passionate about putting my hands on you. Like I'm not passionate (laughs) about sticking needles in you. I do those things when they're needed and will, when they allow our treatment session or someone's workout to go differently or go better. But like you said, like I have plenty of people that love being massage therapists and that like love doing those things. And they're probably way, that they're definitely way better at it than me. So oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Them, you know, mm-hmm. we don't have to be against each other. Yeah, no, I think they work very well in conjunction. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of it comes, comes down to narratives, right? I think that's uh, super important and stuff. And again, I think a lot of people kind of end up finding out on their own, right? So a lot of times, like at least a lot of people I'll see, right? They typically end up going to, you know, their chiropractors first or their, their massage therapist first and they'll, they'll go to them for like, maybe like a month, maybe two months. And then again, it'll, it'll, it'll feel better right? uh, for me like a day or two. But then again, once they start getting back to running again, boom, that same pain comes back. So they kind of realize it themselves. And then that's, I guess, when they come and try and see me. So yeah, I mean, a lot of times people just end up finding out on their own. That, yeah. Hey, maybe I need a little bit, a little bit something different. And I feel like that is when people come to us. Like I, I think that's the most common is when like people have tried a lot of things mm-hmm. and they're like, well, you know, I've tried stretching, I've tried foam rolling, I've tried lacrosse ball, I've tried this, and like they always say, but it just seems to reset. I wake up the next day and it's like I didn't do anything, and yep. I'm like, you're right, they get it, they know, and like they're looking for that long term thing. They're not. Yeah looking for oh well you just didn't stretch right well you have to do it this way and i'm also like still trying to figure out where stretching comes from like why we're like oh this hurts do you have any stretches to give me like where did that come from i don't know that's a that's a great question um i don't know (laughs) maybe maybe someday i mean same thing with like hey like if you stretch it'll you know prevent injuries right like i don't know somehow maybe just like a couple years ago just and one trainer was just like, all right, this is how it's going to be. It worked for me, so it must work for everyone. Let's send it off to, I don't know, like Muscle Mag or something like that. Oh, I like men's health. I yeah, mean, men's health. Like the milk thing, like got milk, vitamin D, bones, all that. Yeah. Like, milk was really good at marketing. And like for some reason, I guess mm-hmm. stretching was the same way. And I'm sure you have a lot of people in your life, like older relatives, cousins. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, this has been hurting me, Peter. Can you give me some stretches? And I'm like, that's not what I do. <laughs> I know. Stretches, sure. Go ahead, just just look on YouTube, right? But I mean, you know, ho- hopefully more, more and more, you know, as as people are putting out more, you know, accurate, reliable information, people are starting to, you know, hopefully realize that, hey, maybe stretching isn't everything, right? And I really hope that like as a whole in the future, us profession as like a as physical therapist uh start doing a much better job of marketing in terms of like to the public's perception of what we do and what we are able to help them with right like at least for me a lot of the patients that i see i'm i'm always like kind of their like third or fourth or even last stop right they've already gone to they what are they they first called probably the massage therapist they were they go to their Cairo, they go to their primary, they go to every other healthcare provider except for physical therapists. Like I don't understand why that is. Right. So like as a profession, we've got to do such a much better job of trying to put ourselves out there and let the public know that, hey, all right, if you have some sort of like musculoskeletal pain, like we are the experts to come see. 
And then from there, you can basically triage it out. But like, I don't know, maybe we just suck at marketing and we're always at last stop, right? We definitely suck at marketing and we're definitely always against each other. And like, I, there's always some like really inspiring stuff that you see that you're like, wow, like it is changing. And then you go to someone else's Instagram or Facebook page or like the DPT student Facebook page could go either way. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's a minefield in there. You know, someone will ask a question that bring out, bring out the popcorn, you know, bring out the popcorn. It is head to the comment box. It's gonna, it's going to be a shit show. You know, you know, it's like, going to be you are about a good to time yeah. on for sure. Yeah. Like I stay away. I'm Eve put a video of me and Nate in that group and I'm yeah. like getting hate messages. And I'm, this is, I'm like, this is the problem. And like, we, we are very like much advocating for like, Hey, obviously there's a really big place for primary care, but like musculoskeletal injuries, PT should be your primary care. And for a lot of different reasons, but there are some primary cares that are like, no, don't do that. But also primary cares are slammed. Like, yes, we may have like a bit of a wait time, but it's way easier to get in to see your local PT than a dentist, than getting your hair done, than yep. getting on your primary care. Like if I make an appointment to see a primary care, it's probably three months later. And you can see us, you can call right now and maybe we'll see you in a couple weeks. Like maybe if something opens, we'll see you next week, you know? Yeah. And, so, and like save yourself the rabbit hole because by the time I'm sitting across from them, they have seen this doctor, this doctor, this chiropractor, this massage therapist, they've spent almost the same amount of money than they're about to spend with me. Yep. And they're like, when I present them like the plan, they're like, well, yeah, like I've already kind of spent this money. So like might as well. And I'm like, dang, like it could be half that if you just yep. came here first and at least exactly. tried. Like yeah. we'll refer you out if you need to. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's really like, you know, at least with like going to PT, you have some actionable steps right? You know, what's going on, you know, like what to expect and you know, what like stuff that I should be doing outside of here in order to improve my symptoms. Right. Whereas like, you know, going, going to a doctor or going to like, uh, get an MRI, it's like, okay, yeah, it's telling us what to do, but it's still, or it's telling us what's, what may be going on, but it doesn't tell us how we're going to address it. Yeah. Right? Like, so. would you rather spend $2,000 to get a picture of your spine that may or may not have anything to do with what's going on and then nothing else or like spend $2,000 and that could probably last us like six months of treatment and care and like getting you back to doing the things that you love, you feeling confident, you might never need me again kind of thing. Or like uh, I had someone yesterday who went to their doctor and the doctor did some things. It's always funny to hear people describe what they think happened because they're like, oh yeah, like he moved my leg around, like he tested this and he tested that. And then he, go, he told me to go see a PT. Yeah. Yeah. That's normally going to be the outcome. Like it's very rare that that's not the outcome of, Hey, just go see a PT. And, but like, then he went to see a PT, but it was somewhere else. And he went twice a week. He had a high deductible. They did Eastim and ice. And I'm like, he was like, I just didn't want to pay for it anymore. I didn't feel yeah. viable. Yep. Well, hey, at least that person got sent to PT. Or I've, I've heard like patients who just get sent home with like a steroid pack. Get sent home with a steroid pack, and then all right, here, take take this, uh, take this. It'll help. And then like, 
it'll decrease their pain for maybe like one or two days. And then when they try and resume that activity, boom, right back at square one. Yeah. And then you do years of that and you've just taken steroids for like everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's again, right. It's, it's very unfortunate with the current state of healthcare that we're in, but again, with like, hopefully with social media and like more and more people um, with similar mindsets, just put more and more information out there. Um, Hopefully the public's perception of uh, physical therapy slowly, slowly change. So why do you think there's a negative connotation to physical therapy? Man, no, honestly, I think it's just because of kind of how traditional physical therapy has been for so long, right? Like, all right, hey, I know I'm going to go in, get a massage, get a hot pack and ice pack, and then I I might feel a little bit better. I'm going to do a couple, couple, you know, stretchy band exercises that may or may not help. But like, if you ask me, and like, I'm a CrossFit athlete, and like, I'm doing like 300 pound snatches or like 500 pound deadlifts, like I probably wouldn't want to go to physical therapy because I wouldn't understand how that's going to help me with like my knee and stuff. Like, Hey, you're telling me like doing straight leg raises is going to help me with my knee when I'm squatting 400 pounds and I'm having pain with that. Like, no, like there's gotta be some, something, something else. Right. Cause that to me, that doesn't really make sense. So I don't know. It's just, Maybe it's just the way traditional physical therapy has been for so long that people just maybe think that, hey, all right, this kind of seems like a BS, BS uh, intervention. I don't really know if I want to waste my time with it. Yeah. And those are the people that like I love to see, the people that are already skeptical. Like yeah. if, if you are, it's, it's, it's funny because we do still get people that are very much like, why aren't we doing massage? Like, why aren't we doing manual therapy? And those people like it's harder because you have to like, challenge their beliefs but then you'll get the people that like they're like thank god like finally you get it yeah. and most people i'm yep. like this is fun like we're just gonna you know do this that's the easy part you know so what is performance pt performance pt yeah so i mean i was thinking about this the other day because uh, there's a couple of people that have kind of asked me this um in the past right so basically how i kind of delineate uh between performance performance-based physical therapy versus like regular physical therapy right so regular physical therapy how i kind of think of it right is basically getting back to everyday activities right you think about it hey after surgery all right you have issues walking you have issues going up and down stairs you have issues reaching into a cupboard right all right we're going to get you back to that baseline and that's it right that's why they have all those like Functional measure outcomes, right? Like, what are they called? I don't even remember those. Outcome like, L- yeah, L- LEFS. Uh, I don't know. What's like oh. the upper upper extremity um, thing? Oh upper God, extremity shoulder like, test. There's a back pain. Oh, you're. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And it, and if you if you like look on those, like it's all very very basic stuff. Hey, do you have shoulder pain with reaching behind your car? Do you have do you have uh, knee pain when you're going up and down the stairs? Right. So it's all very basic ADLs. Whereas like, so again, once they kind of get you to that point and once you meet all, you know, once you're considered quote unquote functional, like insurance basically deems you unworthy of physical therapy. You're too good for PT, right? You're passed, you passed, right? Whereas like with how I delineate, okay, how, what sets us apart as performance physical therapy, right? All the patients that come and see us have performance goals in mind, right? That they aren't able to achieve right now. So, Hey, I have knee pain when I'm, I don't have any knee pain in my everyday life, but when I'm running, um, you know, every time I run more than the 5k, I get knee pain. Every time I'm doing, I don't have shoulder pain 
when I, in everyday reaching stuff, but every time I'm doing toaster bar or every time I'm doing snatches, something creeps up and I'm, I'm not able to do that. Right. So, um, that's basically kind of how I delineate it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do, what do you think? We're always trying to define it, you know, like what is performance rehab? Like what is performance PT? Because it's such a spectrum, but like you said, it's not just a baseline. It's not just, I always say like, are you surviving or are you thriving? Like, mm -hmm. because for me, and I think for most people, people don't care about pain until it prevents them from doing X, Y, and Z, especially yep. when it prevents them from doing something that they love. Like, I think there's, it's a really common narrative that people are like, I have pain with snatching. And honestly, I don't care if I ever snatch again. And then you're, they're like, I don't really care because I don't like to snatch and I'm not going to snatch. And I'm like, okay, you know, like I have pain cardio wise if I run more than three miles, but like, I don't really care. <laughs> so like, I'm not going to work on that. Yeah. So if I had pain with snatching, I would work on that. And so I think it just, it really, it always just depends on the goal is the, like, what is their goal? Is the goal just to, to live a life pain free? Because one, like that's not possible. That's yeah. not how we were made because pain is protective and we're supposed to have pain. It's how are you always going to be better? Like, how are you always going to try to be 1% better? And when there is something that is blocking you that like you can't figure out that I think is when people go to, to quote unquote performance PT. But I think, I mean, most cash-based practices, especially like, you know, talking to Eve, like everyone does performance PT, but I also see a lot of older people and their performing is being able to walk to Publix and back. Yeah, for sure. So it's just dependent on like, what is important to you in your life? What do you value? Because I think walking to Publix can be as hard as running three miles. It's yeah, all about absolutely mm -hmm, for but sure. Explaining that to people is tough, especially yeah. people who are like, well, it's just walking. Mm -hmm. can't really, yeah. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that. So um, I'm part of, uh, do you know, B and I, do you know what B, B and I is? So BNI is it's just like a, it's just like a local networking um, group um, around around the uh, nation, right? So there's a there's a local one here in Jacksonville, and um, I always tell them that I treat athletes, right? I treat athletes and active adults, and um, what I basically told them, so and every week you basically have like a little like ninety minute or sorry ninety second or sixty second spiel to basically kind of talk about your business and kind of talk about what you do, right? So um, a couple of weeks ago I basically made this uh, told story where it's like, hey, we treat athletes, right? But if you have a body, you're an athlete. And I kind of gave them the example of um, two people that I saw literally back to back in like my caseload um, that morning, right? So one was like a pretty elite level, like uh, Olympic trials um, marathon runner. And so super, super high end. Um, she had she'd been dealing with this like ankle injury for like forever. And we're, we're trying to get her back to um, a training baseline so she can um, qualify for uh, Olympic trials marathon, right? So obviously, She's basically what a lot of people saw on the street. People would say, boom, all right. So she, she's an athlete, right? So, but the person I saw right after her was basically this like 60 year old uncle who just had a brand new nephew, right? His nephew's like probably, I don't know, like a couple months old and he had back pain and he was, he couldn't play with his newborn nephew on, on the ground, right? So 
if you think about it, like both of them are athletes in their own respective sport, right? One of them is an athlete, you know, training for a marathon. The other one is an athlete train, like competing in the sport of life, right? Like life is, if you think about it, life is a freaking sport. Like life is very, very demanding, like physically, like, especially as you get older, like bending, go, walking up and down stairs. And like, he's trying to make sure that he, his body's ready to be able to tolerate those demands. And like, in, in our treatment sessions, like we treat both of them as athletes, like in their own respective sport, right? Exactly. Um, like yeah. just because you're 60, like you still respond similarly to, to training. And that's what it is. Like it's training. You're either, you're training for a race, a goal, a skill, you're training for life because they all have demands. And I think when you, there's a lot of people who, once you can't walk up and down the stairs and you can't pick up things and you can't walk you, it feels really severe, right? Because it's like, well, I can't do these basic things. But when you show them, like, there are demands of walking, there are demands of yeah. running, there are demands of walking up and especially downstairs. And when you explain it to them of, hey, like, you're not, you're not broken, again, like, you're not broken, you're not fragile, but your body just needs to be able to meet these demands better. Mm-hmm, like, for sure. Them as an athlete. And I think when when you view them as an athlete, they will eventually start to view themselves as an athlete. Absolutely. If the hardest part of your day is walking up and down the stairs, we have an issue. And I think yeah. is it clinical athlete or ice physio? And I don't, are those the same thing? I'm still confused. Are you one rep max living? And I, love I know exactly that. what you're talking about. That's ice physio. Yeah. I love should, that. Yep. Should never be one rep max living. Exactly. Like if you think about a CrossFit workout, you're taking a lot of things to fatigue, especially in a Metcon. Like, let's say you have a chipper, like you are taking things to fatigue over and over and over again. And when we see people that do that all day, they just do crushing Metcons. They're new to CrossFit, like, you know, fill in the blank. They start to have pain. It's like golfing the same thing over and over and over again. So now imagine that it's not a Metcon, but it's just your daily life is the hardest thing that you do. And that is fatiguing. You have to rest. Like no wonder you're dealing with pain because your muscles are constantly being brought to failure. Yeah. And it's just like, when you start to think about it in that way, it makes so much sense. And it's also pretty hopeful because we know that there's so much that we can do about it, but it is, it's hard. It's going to be hard because you have to push your limits. And if walking is hard and you want walking to be easy, like I have a patient right now who has had endometrial cancer like four times. Oh no. It's something that like keeps coming back and she wants to be able to walk and she knows walking is hard and it's going to be hard to get back to doing that. Yeah. But she's willing to she's willing to be uncomfortable so that it eventually becomes comfortable. Like remember your first CrossFit class? I'm sure you were like Oh my gosh, it was I I still remember it. I think it was like double unders, pistol squats, box jumps and like farmers carry and like oh, I had God. I, I think I struggled with single unders, um, and don't, don't like pistols. I think we're just like basically single, like sit to stand to a box. I was like, Holy crap. Like this is tough. And like, I, I went in with like, I don't know, with like a pretty high ego thinking like, all right, I'm pretty strong. Like I'll be straight. And of course it was like a very gymnastic, uh, Metcon. I was just got smoked by it. Yeah. Like two very like, high skill movements. And yeah. The thing is with CrossFit, you don't just continue to do that workout once it gets comfortable. 
you now make it harder and we yeah. always continue to make it harder so that it's never comfortable. Like training should not be comfortable because you're training so that everything else in your life is easy. Exactly. Yeah. Kill, kill, kill a little comfort. Yes. Did you have to read that book too? <laughs> I didn't have to. I, I chose, I chose to read it. Well, um, I didn't have to, but he, he sent it to us. He, he he, like, yeah. It's a fantastic book. Um, shout, shout out Jared um, oh, yeah. for writing that book. Um, but yeah, it was super, very, very excellent. Um, very insightful. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you think about it, if, like the hardest thing you have to do that day is just to kill a little comfort and like, I don't know, wake, wake up, wake up a little bit earlier than like, that's nothing. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. I, um, we read that. Uh, it was definitely not the best book to read right before bed. Cause you're like pretty high. Like I, like <laughs> I know. Right. Bed. Yeah. Um, and then now I'm reading the atomic habits, James clear. Oh, cool. Yeah. Another like super inspirational makes you want to like change everything that you do. Yeah. Wake up, wake up at like four o'clock and like get all, get all the shit done. Yeah, exactly. So we talked about performance PT and I, I told you a little bit about this earlier. Um, so we have the healthy Charleston podcast, the healthy Jack yeah. podcast. What yep. is health? What, is it, what does it mean to be healthy? Because I think there's a lot of different definitions floating around. Sure. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought about this a little bit the other day, but I really think it kind of basically boils down to like four, four main pillars or concepts, at least that I would, um, that we believe in a lot um, down here, right? So uh, it really comes down to exercise and movement, um, nutrition, sleep, and stress, right? So I think if you can kind of really prioritize and really um, focus on those four different aspects and um, basically perfect it then I think that is a pretty good definition of what someone who's healthy uh, can look like right so again again you're what is I don't know what's like uh, the World Health Organization's uh, recommendations for exercise I think it's like 200 275 minutes of you know uh, aerobic activity in a week or something like that. Um, but again, right, if you're getting some sort of basic um, exercise in um, in a week, I think that's, or every single day, I think that's good. Um, so I think it's like two times a week of like strength training. Um, so I mean, yeah. Um, and then nutrition, right? Like if you're, if you're eating, you know, decent, decently healthy foods, right? Like, um, you know, some sort of protein, some sort of carbs, some sort of healthy fats. I think that that'll be really good. Um, stress. Hey, like, are we managing our life stress? Cause like, right. Like life is pretty stressful. Life is hard. If we're able to kind of minimize it and, or know how to kind of compartmentalize, compartmentalize, yeah. Compartmentalize it. Yeah. And understand, you know, um, how to manage it, um, really good. And then finally sleep, right? Like, Hey, are we sleeping adequately? enough seven to eight hours right for me that's um for a lot of people that uh we see at least um they, a lot of them all have their exercise unlock and nutrition unlock right but um sometimes uh sleep and stress are two two factors that um, some people don't don't think about um and can definitely benefit with uh improving on as well yeah for sure it's funny that you have, can you hear me yeah i think I mean, you you lagged again but i could hear you the whole time Okay, cool. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Did I lag? No, you're good. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny that you say that because like the four pillars of the four concepts, like that's exactly 
what I had written down. Like it's exactly what we talk about. Oh, cool. Yeah, exactly. It's like the great, great minds think alike, right? No. Do you have intentional stress, AKA like physical stress exercise? And are you balancing that with sleep stress and nutrition? And like you said, people crush themselves in the gym all the time and they're like, Oh, like I'm healthy. And then you, you know, you can get into like relative energy deficiency and all those things. And you're like, well, you get to the point where now you're so obsessed with being healthy that you're actually unhealthy. So it's like, yeah, can you ac actually ever achieve optimal health? And I think it changes throughout life. Um, so sorry, go ahead. You're fine. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, have you ever heard of the blue zones? No. So this is something that, um, some, one of my guests actually uh, brought up to me on uh, one of our podcast episodes the other day, but it's called the five blue zone. So it's basically little pockets, five pockets around the world where um, those people have lived to be a hundred or more. Right. So they went and studied these people and, and like basically was like, Hey, like, why are these people living to be so old and stuff? So um, I think it's like the five different areas. It's like, uh, I want to say like, one of them's like Okinawa in Japan. One of the places is in like Costa Rica. The other place is in like Greece. Um, I think there's one in like, I think it's like uh, Linda Loma, Cali. Um, and then there's like one more, there's one more uh, somewhere else, but um, all those different people, uh, their average age was to be, was like more than a hundred, right? So they went in and they basically like studied what their common characteristics were. And uh, a lot, all those five different areas around the world, right? They had common characteristics of some sort of uh, everyday movement in their life, right? So movement was part of their everyday activity, right? So all of them had like a very active, natural lifestyle, right? And another one is there's some sort of like social component to it, right? So like a lot of the, uh, the elder, elder people, um, they all had some sort of like um, role in the community. They had some sort all some sort of like reason to like wake up. Like that, purpose. Right? So, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then another one was like nutrition, right? So some, um, all of them were eating like uh, a ton of vegetables, a ton of plants. I think um, a lot of them all ate meats and fish as well, but it was like a fairly um, smaller portion. I think it was like, I don't know. He said, I think it was like three to four ounces, I think, um, something like that. A day? Yeah. So I think, I think it comes out to like, I don't know, a deck of cards. I think that was the analogy he said. Um, but something that's like smaller than what we would imagine, right? Yeah. And then um, another common characteristic that they had was uh, some way to kind of downregulate their stress, right? So I think one um, tribe or one of those areas, they, they had meditation daily. Another tribe did like had some sort of daily prayers. Another tribe um, had some sort of like, I think it was like happy hour or something like that. That's right where they were just like hang, yeah hanging out with their friends and like um you know, drink uh drinking like some alcohol and stuff to kind of down regulate the stress but if you kind of think about it it's, they're addressing all four of those different pillars right get some sort of movement in um nourishing their uh, nutrition their stress and sleep yeah. and it makes me wonder like how much i mean we base i think a lot of our like health definitions on elite athletes and i yeah. think there's an argument there that elite athletes are not healthy like they're not overall healthy are they fit and are they probably going to get like they're probably not going to have a cardiovascular disease or heart disease or obese like 
they have a lot of those factors that keep them quote unquote healthy. But I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I kind of look at it like a big circle and like the closer you get to one pillar. So let's say it's like physical, emotional, Mm -hmm. relational, I think environmental nutrition, there's all these different pillars. The closer you get to one thing, the farther you get everywhere else from everything else. And I think, yeah, Matt Frazier was actually a really good example of that. And he talked about that of every part of his day was centered around his workout and my -hmm. performance. And to the point where he didn't have a lot of time with his fiance or wife or whatever, Sammy, his family, he just had to focus on performance. And that was short lived. Like, although he's won five years in a row, like he Mm -hmm. is ready to not have to do that anymore. And it's almost like how close, how long can we fly that close to the sun? But like, you would never argue that Matt Fraser is not healthy or that Mm -hmm. he wasn't healthy, but it was all centered around one aspect of health. And so you look at those, the blue zones and they aren't necessarily going to the gym to learn how to do a toast bar or to snatch or to gain muscle. It's just a part of their life that they're moving. And they also, it's not just like the physical, they're touching on the the relationship aspect, the cognitive, because they are doing something that makes them feel fulfilled. And they also are surrounded by people that care for them. Like this, this like basic definition of health is not that you have to be an elite athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also some people, and I, the definition, when you just look up what is health, it's free of illness or injury. And if you right now went outside and somehow broke your ankle or in the gym, you did something and you tore your tricep, like I wouldn't consider you unhealthy, but yeah. I think some people would, and they would say, oh, like, health means that you need to be able to meet your demands. Like, um, I don't know how into soccer you are. I'm only into it because Elliot tells me a lot and a player on Saturday for Denmark, I believe all of a sudden just Uh collapsed. Um, Oh geez. I'm not on the, on the field or during a game, like the best player just collapsed. Is he healthy? Like, was he healthy? But he was, he was super fit. Like I'm sure he had, all the people in the world telling him what to eat and how to train, but he collapsed on the field. And like, uh, I think it's right. Yeah. It just keeps lagging. It's okay. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. It just yeah. made me think about like, what is health? And you did the L1, right? Yeah. So there's illness, there's wellness, and then there's fitness. And it's like, if you're just doing like wellness, then you're closer to illness. If you're doing fitness and you're further away from, from illness. And like, if you just are healthy is again, like, is that surviving or is that thriving? So I don't know. It's I, the blue zones is super interesting. I need to look more into that. Yeah. Look, look it up. Um, there's, I think there's like a Ted talk, um, on it as well. But yeah, I, I really like the analogy of uh, what you gave with the circle, right? Where um, you kind of need like a fine balance of all four of those. Um, and if you kind of drift, let's start drifting a little bit too close to kind of one end, then you slowly start to see 
those other um, aspects of your life start to suffer a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's really, really interesting that you made that analogy about um, athletes and stuff. I mean, it makes sense that like, if you look, look at them like, hey, they're super healthy and stuff, but they kind of have to maintain that certain level of performance because it's their job, right? If they don't do that, then they're basically out of a job. So they have some sort of like almost like high pressure or stress to kind of maintain that certain you know um, level of health, right? It's their job. Like it's not, and it's like, it's so focused on one pillar. It's almost like if I were to, like we never do this, but think about like if I just focused on sleep and I don't do anything else but sleep. Or like <laughs> I don't do anything else but pay attention to what I'm eating and I get super granular with it. I know how many, how many grams from fat and protein and carbs. And I, I don't move. I don't have relationships. I don't do anything that makes me feel fulfilled. And I don't sleep because I'm just busy planning my macros. Like yeah. you're like, that's unhealthy. But yet we can do that with physical activity. And for some reason, it's still healthy. Mm -hmm. Have you read any of the like precision nutrition certification books? I have not. So there's, um, what is it called? Orthorexia is like the obsession of being healthy. And I think it's okay. relevant because I think obviously like a lot of people that listen to this podcast are um, interested in being healthy. It's like, so it's an unhealthy focus on eating in a healthy way. Um, mm -hmm. It's pretty much, and like Nate and I took the quiz one day too, and we were like, oh God, um, like an obsession with doing things that are considered healthy to the point where they become unhealthy. Yeah. Of like, is your life centered around lifting, training and eating to the point where you sacrifice all these other things? So mm -hmm. it's all, it's just like this, this spectrum of like, you're, you're not healthy. And then you start doing all these things that are healthy. But then if you go too far, now you start to lose other aspects of your life. Is that, has that ever been something that you've struggled with? Um, it's something that I've kind of witnessed myself. Um, so I had a really, really good friend uh, back in college, right? So every single time we would go out to, so he, he was like all about macros and everything. So he, he would count his macros. And so every time that we would go out to eat, he would always bring his, um, what do you call it? Like the little way, uh, oh. you know, talking about the thing that you weigh. Yeah. The scale, he would bring his scale with them, um, out to eat with us. And he would basically measure everything that like was given to him just to make sure it fit his macros. Right. Um, and that, I think is kind of like every single time we we, go out, we would always make fun of him for it. But I mean, one would one would see it as very you know very disciplined, right? Um, towards his his grabs and his goal, I guess, of competing in uh, bodybuilding. But again, others may you know may not see it as um, that healthy or that okay, right? Because again, it may be kind of interfering with uh, like for me, that's something that I would I would never do um, just because I think it's too tedious. <laughs> And whatnot um but yeah yeah like it's a it's a healthy behavior performed in an unhealthy manner like yeah you want to know what you're eating but also you go to a restaurant you don't know what they've made put in this either yeah. and if you're going to a restaurant you're going to enjoy the food and to enjoy the company and if you're yeah. not letting yourself enjoy that then can you say that you're healthy for sure and i mean like i don't know i think i think 
I would like basically what I do, right? I, I work out like five, five to six days a week. Um, but usually every Friday, Friday or Saturday, um, like always go out to eat with some friends and we'll always have drinks. And I always drink every Friday, Friday night and Saturday night. And do I think alcohol consumption is bad? No, I, do I think it's moderate and okay? Yeah. I think drinking alcohol is it, it's not going to completely affect. I mean, obviously my whoop always tells me the next day that like my, my recovery is in the red and everything. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But I think like, again, I think everything in moderation is okay. And I really, that's, I think that's what it kind of boils down to, right? Because I mean, having those drinks with like my friends and whatnot, it always allows me to, again, kind of downregulate my stress a little bit and kind of just allows me to kind of interact in a social setting that um, makes me feel comfortable and stuff. So yeah, it's always all about balance, right? Like yeah. it, it's the things that you hear all the time that you get frustrated with hearing are everything in moderation it depends on your goals and yeah. it's all about balance but it is so true it always depends yeah it always depends. like if you were going out to eat with your friends every single night and drinking yeah probably not going to feel so great probably not going to yeah. perform so my, my uh my bank account would probably be crying yeah yeah exactly that's going to show you that you're not healthy either <laughs> yeah. we're all still trying like everyone's always trying to figure out what makes you feel the best right now? Because in 10 years, like I guarantee working out five days a week, like routine might be changing, you know, things are going yeah, to for sure. So I know we wanted to talk about like running readiness. Um, do you, you see a lot of runners, right? Or we do, we do. So Jacksonville is a huge, uh, running, uh, community down here um so yeah i would say the two two main uh demographics that i enjoy treating at least and that that we see a lot are uh, a lot of crossfit athletes and um, a lot of runners at least uh, down here yeah so the, do, you, do you guys i mean okay. charleston i feel like it's also like a pretty big uh, running city right a lot of triathletes like a big yeah. um group i mean there's so many different groups like there's blue sky there's axis there's fleet feet there's try it for life there's she tries there's so many there's without limits. Like it blew my mind how many triathletes there were here. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because there's no hills. <laughs> well, it's the same thing here. I mean, down down here in Florida, everything is super flat. Um, <laughs> absolutely no hills at all. Yeah. So when you sent me the like, running readiness and I saw that you had done a workshop and you were posting about it, I really liked it because I don't like things that are like, Hey, if you can do, if you can back squat 63% of your deadlift, you know, like those kind of things, then yeah. you're not going to get injured. Or, Oh, if you can't do that, then you're going to get injured. Like, I think that is missing the boat, but sure. the running readiness was, Hey, there are demands of running. Are you prepared to meet those demands? Because if we yeah. do injuries as load exceeded capacity, what we're trying to look at is capacity. Like, do you have the capacity to meet those demands? Can you tell me a little bit about like your experience with the running readiness, like the treating runners after injuries, things that you talk about at those workshops? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, running readiness um, is basically just like a battery of different um, exercise tests, right? So it basically looks at um, like every lower extremity joint pretty much, right? So um, calf raises, right? I think one of the screening out for like um, the ankle and the calf is like, hey, can you do 25 single leg calf raises at 30 beats per minute, right? So we know, so we know, hey, running is a pretty uh, impactful activity, especially for the ankle and stuff. Like, hey, do you have the basic strict strength for that there? Um, I think another one's like uh, 30 or 30 seconds of continuous pogo. Um, pogo hops on one leg. 
No, uh, pogo is just uh, single leg hopping, I hopping in place. I thought that you need, because it's <laughs> a pogo stick. No, yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to go get a pogo stick. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's too funny. Can you imagine? Yeah, hey, I'm going to need you to uh, hop on this and just uh, let me see your yeah, bounds and jump, jump on it. I've been missing out on this. I need to go get a pogo stick. <laughs> yeah, so 30 single leg pogos on um, one leg, right? So again, just looking at, hey, plyometric demands um, at the ankle as well as maybe the knee and hip, right? Can, can you, are you able to tolerate that? And then another like, you know, and then you also have like single leg, uh, glute bridge hold, uh, we're gonna just like, you know, glute, glute max strength. A lot of it's all kind of unilateral um, testing uh, versus the other side. Another one's like single leg heel tap at like uh, same thing, 30 beats per minute um, off like a six inch height. Um, side plank, right? Hey, can you, can you hold the side plank? Um, and then, yeah, really, really just depends kind of, you know, hey, what can your tissues tolerate, right? If you're able to do this, then technically you should be able to, you know, to some certain degree, tolerate uh, basic running. Again, another, another uh, prerequisite to running I like to see is, you know, hey, can you skip, right? Mm -hmm. um, Skipping is just like a very, uh, people think of it as a very like childish um, activity, but if you think about it, it's basically, again, very low level impact um, compared to running, but some, again, some sort of like plyometric demand. Um, but again, well, a lot of it with these tests, it really, really depends, right? Like people are gonna, like, especially the, these like advanced runners that we see, um, these high elite level runners where maybe they're only getting pain after, you know, five or 10 miles. Like all of them are gonna pass these tests like super, super easy. Um, but again, they still have pain, yeah. Um, so really with these tests, like, I think it's just a good kind of baseline uh, to kind of give us some, um, directional input on kind of where to go with the assessment and stuff. And I think like there are definitely a lot of runners that like the lateral step down test. Yeah. I think it was doing, it was doing like 10 of them. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I think the calf raises like everybody sleeps on calves. No, yeah. Nobody trains calves in the gym anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> that is like me never training like a, just a segment of my body. Like why, you know, it's the whole lower leg. Like obviously there's other muscles there, but I do think it is beneficial almost even just like help organize what this person needs to focus on. And it yeah. shows them that they need to focus on unilateral work and single. Absolutely. Leg. And like the good thing about all these, like these like battery tests is like the test itself becomes an exercise, right? Like, Hey, all right. I, I see that my left side, I'm able to, my, I'm able to do a single leg, uh, glute bridge hold for 40 seconds on my left side, but on my right side, I can only do it for 15 seconds before it starts shaking uncontrollably and I fatigue. Maybe I should work on that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you know, the good thing with, um, having different exercises, um, as the actual test is that uh, it basically becomes a test in and of itself. And you're able to kind of basically go back and kind of compare uh, constantly as you improve. So have you ever, like when you go to these workshops and you do these tests and people, like, are there ever people that just completely fail all of them, but they have, oh, for sure. they have no pain. They're totally fine with running. Like, yeah. They've absolutely just, like, they're so durable that you're like okay well and that and that's like the beauty of like the human body right like the human body is just freaking incredible and adaptable like you have these quote unquote like hey technically you should be able to do these things before you run right but at the same time you have plenty of people out there who are um running completely pain-free and say you know they may not be able to get all 25 single leg calf races like 
hey, can we improve on that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, but is it absolutely necessary for you to be able to meet all 25 before you start running again? Eh, probably not. Right. So again, it all, all it all kind of comes down to it depends, right? As we kind of talked talked about before, it always depends on that one single person as well as kind of you know different factors that um, are are involved with their activity and lifestyle. Yeah, I think it it all goes down to like we have adapted to the stresses that are placed on us because I have someone right now who cannot stand on one leg to save his life, and he has been running 10, 15 miles forever. I mean, he's like in his sixties, like now he's starting to run into some pain. Um, no pun intended because of some like volume changes, <laughs> life changes, things like that. But I can't say, Oh, Hey, it's because you can't do this, that mm-hmm. you have pain because he's been doing it his whole life and has yeah. not been having pain or like not been having injuries. So there's no, like there's no prevention and there's, there's no protection, right? Like we're not pre- I don't know. I say that. And then I'm like, you can't, I think you can build a, like a resistant armor, a buffer. Like you can't yeah. be resilient. You can be more durable. You can handle more, but you can't completely bulletproof. No, it's, it's a very catchy, that term bulletproof. Um, it's very, very catchy. Um, but yeah, if you kind of think about it, right, all we're doing is basically build, building up buffers on, right? Only up our kind of armor to um, prepare us for whatever activity that gonna go for it. but again right life is super unpredictable you're gonna like i could do all the calf raises i want in the world if i go out and like step in some pothole that i'm not expecting i'm gonna sprain my ankle right that, that's i mean that's basically what happened to me the other day it's super embarrassing like oh, i was no. i was <laughs> it was like i don't know like five in the morning i was coming down my coming down the steps i was like just rushing down trying to make the 6 a.m uh cross the class and like i was rushing down missed missed time the uh the last step and I literally fell on my ass. It was oh, super embarrassing. It hurt. I straight up crushed my tailbone. Um, oh, I was like, I was so sore. Yeah. For like the whole day. And I was basically hobbling around and limping and like, do I, do I think a good, do I think I do a pretty good job of kind of, you know, building on my capacity with like all the knowledge I know? I think, yeah, for sure. But again, right. Like, can I completely prevent like an ankle sprain for the rest of my life? No, like shit's going to happen. You know, I mean, you know, again, with like building up buffers and whatnot, you have a, you end up having like a pretty fast turnaround, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've kind of, you know, built, built up the stream, like basically in like one or two days, I was able to, you know, walk around normally again. I was able to do like a calf raise. I was able to you know, start skipping and start jogging again. Yeah. I was, I was pretty pissed. So I've, I've been doing um, a couple of track workouts uh, with some of the local uh, running groups and like, um, it's just been something that I've been getting into like the past, like two, three months. And like, I track workout that night and I was so bummed that I couldn't go oh, because no. of my ankle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was able to go the next week, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, with like kind of building up your buffer and stuff like that, you just have a much faster recovery time as well, even though you aren't able to completely prevent injuries. But you did prevent a bone from breaking. Like you are, yes. your bone density is strong enough. You're tissues are used to load you don't have osteoporosis you know like so i think it's not just like building a buffer it's like how does your body respond how do you respond physically and mentally once you do get injured like if i'm doing murph and then all of a sudden a couple pull-ups feel super off like what do i do in that moment what happens next what happens the next couple of days i think that part is what separates people like that is what defines 
what the injury is going to look like. Obviously, like you break a bone, you break a bone, things like that. But I think you could have prevented that. Like if an 80 year old with osteoporosis fell like you fell, it would be bad. It would be really bad. It would be over. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about the four pillars and before we go, I want a little bit of Q and A. So we're talking about like intentional stress, intentional physical stress, sleep, stress, nutrition, and then maybe just some like down regulation recovery. So what is your preferred intentional physical stressor? For me, myself, I would have definitely have to say CrossFit. Um, obviously. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think all forms of exercise are good. You know, people do yoga, people do Pilates, and I think that's perfectly fine. Do whatever exercise you enjoy the most. But for me personally, I, I enjoy CrossFit. You know, I enjoy being in that you know, class with all, all the other people where I don't really have to think. I just do the programming. Um, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun doing snatches, fun doing cleaning jerks. It's fun learning gymnastics. Like I still remember like the first time I got a bar muscle up and like a couple toes to bar, like it was really awesome. Um, yeah, I definitely have to say CrossFit. Plus, yeah, I mean, you can always just push yourself to be a little bit better every single workout, right? Push yourself a little bit harder. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Like you have to be a little vulnerable to be like learning new skills, getting better at things. Um, what about your preferred, like, your favorite food. It doesn't have to be like, what do I do to eat healthy? But like your favorite thing to eat. My favorite, uh, I would definitely have to say uh, dim sum. I freaking love dim sum. Um, <laughs> dim sum and I would have to say, uh, do you know what soup dumplings are? Yes, oh my God. Um, I went on my rotation in San Diego. I yeah. Where, oh my, I like so good. I forgot what it was called. I have it on Instagram. So yes, amazing. Yeah, soup dumplings are phenomenal. Um, man, I just listen. And then I would have to say Korean barbecue. Um, Korean barbecue is really, really good as well, too. I could, those three things I could probably eat, like, I don't know, on a daily basis. Is it the healthiest for you? No. Do I always feel like like shit afterwards because I want to just, like, take, like, a two-hour nap afterwards? Yeah, for sure. But is it worth it? Yeah, I think so. For sure. On that note, um, what's your preferred way of like recharging? Recharging. Um, what's Peter's you time? Ah, Peter use time. My time? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of just like, I mean, li living in Jacks Jacksonville, um, right, right by the beach. So I kind of just like going to the beach and just kind of laying there and there. Um, what do you call it? Rotting away in the sand on the beach. Rotting away. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we just we where I just lay there and just you know not do anything and stuff. Um, I don't know that that's always really fun. Um, it's always yeah. Usually Sundays, I try and not do anything. Usually uh, Mondays to Saturdays, I'm always you know like five a.m. to like seven p.m. I'm always just constantly doing doing something. Um, but yeah, usually Sundays I try try not to do anything at all. Um, just to kind of reset, um, give yeah. give myself a little time to recharge and stuff. Yeah. And then sleep. What does Whoop say about your sleep? What's your sleep hours? Uh, I would have to say seven. Um, I really, really try and get um, eight on like the weekends, but uh, I've been averaging about seven uh, hours. Um, yeah, Whoop is, I do you like Whoop? So I had it, um, I got it like 2020. And then I wore it for six months and then I got sick of it. I was like, this isn't helping me anymore. Um, like it would just tell me that I should feel bad on the days that I did feel bad, like that kind of thing. But yeah. then I started wearing it again because of the new like diary features, how it's like way more broad now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and the sleep thing, like I knew I was in bed for eight hours, but I knew I wasn't sleeping for eight hours. Yeah. It tells you the disturbances and all that. I know. I'm like, shoot. And like just practicing what I preach. If I'm telling active people that they need to get nine hours of sleep and I'm getting seven and a half, like, um, I Oh my God, nine hours. I would, I would I die for that. That's what they I would love though, that. You know? Yeah. But the, the one thing that I've been working on, like what I've noticed is not great for me is deep sleep. It should be huh. two hours and I get like 45 to an hour regularly. How do you, and what, what does it tell you about like, how do you improve on that? How do you optimize your deep sleep? You go to bed earlier because it's the okay. thing that like, it's the most restorative deep sleep. Oh, it's, it's between 12 and two, right? I think. I guess. I don't know. I yeah, have I th- no, I, I think I have heard something like that where it's like in between, like if you are to only sleep like two or three hours, but like that's all you had, like sleeping between like 12 and two, just because it's like the most restorative, um, where, where it really goes into kind of like that deep sleep REM mode. Um, yeah. Those are like the two most uh, important hours apparently. Yeah. So that, um, do you like whoop? I like it. Um, I take it with kind of like a grain of salt though. Um, it's, I think it's very insightful, um, in terms of like, you know, uh, recovery, HRV and all that. Um, I also like, you know, kind of just like seeing how my friends are doing, um, that day, right. Hey, like what's, what's, what's my friend's uh, screen at, right. Like, so I think that's pretty neat. Um, but what I, I I like, I was talking about this on on another podcast the other day where it's like, I don't like how it only calculates strain as like um how high your heart rate is right so with like aerobic activities like if like for example you only have like a strict strength day or like you're only doing weightlifting where you're um resting you know two or three minutes in between your sets like i've done that a couple times and like my strain will only be like four or five but i feel yeah. super taxed after like yeah me lifting heavy with like two or three minutes in between is very fatiguing yeah. Like, yeah. how are you going to tell me my strain is only, only like four or five, right? So okay. I would have to say, you know, if, if they were to kind of fix, fix that feature, then, um, it would definitely be, um, a little bit better. Um, but overall, yeah, overall, I like, yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty cool uh, device. Like if we are trying to get people to like, think about their intentional physical stressors more. And like, I have someone who's a power lifter. Yeah. It's not going to give them that information, like objectively, they're going to have to use it subjectively of like, how did I feel after this workout? For me, like something embarrassing that's been going on is that my meal prepping and my cooking has been more of a strain than my workouts. Yeah, no way. Yesterday I did this like pretty fatiguing workout. It was five sets, 15 calorie row, 12 toes bar nine hang squat snatches rest 90 seconds five times yeah. and like that sucked but then i got a notification that between 7 and 7:43 when i just happened to be cooking that my my heart rate was high my strain was higher for that like yeah so that was the second time that my meal prep was a workout and i was like damn I man what do you like flipping foods in there like I mean, what's, I have, what's like, going on in that kitchen yeah. So many things going. I'm like yelling at Elliot. I'm like, do this, do that. I guess it just, and I sat down and I was like, oh no, like it's going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's funny. Um, there's, a, there's like been a couple of patients uh, where they have whoop and like they'll come in for the physical therapy session and whoop will actually pick up their PT session in here. Oh, heck yeah. I'm like, that's, that's awesome. I'm like, if, if you're, if you come for PT, you should definitely be logging some whoop, whoop activity. You should definitely yeah. be picking something up. That's, that's when you know you're doing it right. 
that's performance PT. Well, thank you so much for this. I got to go see a patient, but this has been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it seems like you're crushing it. So I'm super excited about that. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Peter, congrats on everything. Your new space, your new hire. You're doing great. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Good to see you too. Yep. Good seeing you too. Yeah. All right. See you. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.